Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of ATL on Fire, a podcast where we talk all things about football. Dave, Carmen, how y'all doing this evening? Great. Eh, doing good. Doing yeah. good. Doing still, good. Still hobbling around? <laughs> oh no. Uh, still, still some hobbling, uh, still on crutches, but I'm here. Any good drugs? No, they offered me drugs, and I was stupid enough to not take them. But <laughs> okay. I did get very upstanding dis- of you. I know I did get a disabled parking sticker. Nice. So that's score until August. So nice. That's good. To get. That's a good thing. Well, good. It's good you're not mixing. So when we headed to the bend, we're parking <laughs> right by the stadium. <laughs> I like it. Be like, why are you doing this tailgate right from this handicap spot? <laughs> Well, your liver is probably thankful you're not mixing it with the red wine, which yeah. is... Uh, oh, that's true. Which is good. Very true. We've got Very a Malbec true. this evening, right? Yeah, it's a Malbec from uh, Mendoza in Argentina. I brought it specially for you, Mikey Dobbs. What do you think? I really, really like it. It's uh, very rich, and that's uh, all I got. Very, very it's, grapey. It's called Vinyas Occults. It's like vines of the. I occult. like the label too. Yeah, it's Very, kind of like demon wine. Carmen, what do you think? Day of the Dead kind of. Yeah, Carmen, what do you think? Very good and complex. All right. We know that's how I describe all wines. <laughs> I will never change from Don't that. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> one day, one day. No, All very right. good. Now, Mikey Dobbs, this is the second consecutive week that we are broadcasting on Monday. Is there a reason for that? Is there a reason? It's uh, you know, I feel like we're we're going to be trying after- to come to you okay. every Monday, right? That's right. We did talk about that. See how slow I am. I love that. Oh, we did. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we talked about that, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah, every, oh, mo- every boy, Monday. Now, <laughs> dear podcast listeners, you know how it goes on the ATL on fire. Oh. Amateur. I think here. we were sitting at a bar when this oh. conversation oh. occurred. But we are going to try yeah, and try. come to you much more, you know, weekly so you can wait for it in your subscribe inbox. Tell them how to subscribe, Mikey Dobbs. You can subscribe on any of your favorite podcast catchers out there. So if you're a Spotify person, we're there. Apple, sure. Google Podcasts. Pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast, ATL on fire is there. And we are also in, you know, what, at least uh, 1080p, I think, on YouTube. So ATL on fire, subscribe. I like it. I, Ring I, the I bell. look better in 1080. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, while you are listening or watching to the ATL on fire podcast, be sure to drink Wild Heaven beer. Tell them about our sponsor. Wild Heaven Beer is a fantastic brewery, started out of Avondale Estates. They've got a a great spot here that I would encourage you to go have happy hour. They also have a location on West End, which is super slick as well. Um, Can we have an ATL on Fire podcast night at the brewery? Absolutely. I think Nick Nick would love that. Yeah, We should uh, definitely do a a co-promo thing there and drink some beer instead of wine and uh, make that happen. Yeah. Okay, what are we going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about it all, Dave. We're going to talk <laughs> maybe a little U.S. men's uh, national team. No, we're not. Uh, we <laughs> might talk. So. We might talk a little. Uh, well, we might if Je- Jesse Marsh uh, being yeah, okay. being uh, canned at, at Leeds United, if that leads into a potential uh, another candidate there. Uh, we'll talk maybe a little bit about the financial fair play that's coming down on Man City. That'll be a little bit of our European segment. Uh, but we also want to talk about the preseason game that we had down 
in Mexico against Atlante FC in portrait mode. <laughs> and uh, you okay for those of you who weren't trying to tune in to the second preseason game of the year. So. Uh, Atlanta United is on their Mexico trip for the second year in a row preseason trip. They're going to be playing a number of um, Mexican teams and um, they scheduled this match. It was open to the public. So we thought, okay, maybe they're going to stream the game. Right. And sure enough, they announced the day of that they're going to stream it live on the Facebook page of the Mexican club Atlanta and Mikey Dobbs, tell them what happened when we tuned in. Well, yeah, I go to the Facebook page, and there was a countdown box. So I'm like, okay, that this looks is good. It's all it looks good. It's all happening. And then as soon as it hit zero, the little box disappeared, and I was very confused. <laughs> and so I kept kind of refreshing the uh, Atalanta uh, page. And it's then like I, when we shot down that Chinese balloon. <laughs> and then I saw like some video section on the left and it said live and I clicked on it and it showed some sort of video that looked live of the stadium and the field and it was all happening in portrait mode. So I'm, there looking, was a like, guy. I'm looking like this, Dave. I'm like, ah. <laughs> there was a I guy or gal, we don't know, standing in the upper deck. With their cell phone <laughs> filming the the action in the wrong direction, so you had to turn your whole entire computer over. And so we thought, okay, you know, maybe I could live with that. I got my computer on its side; it's all right. We're good. And then, poof! Like we shot down the Chinese balloon, gone. And so that's the quality of you know. Marcom's team that they have. So how, how was their quality on the field? They seem to be able to put four to one on us, even if in a scrimmage, right? So well, okay, so so we played our you know our starting lineup, um, and uh, you know we finished. I guess they were playing thirty minute yeah. segments, and so the first one ended one. The first one, one ended up one one, right? So um, we don't. <laughs> really know much about the goal yeah. that we scored because nobody could see it but we did see eventually um, the goal we gave up no, you want to talk about that was, no so i did see a video of the the goal we scored it was Huzetu. ah and right. he, he banged he it. always scores in preseason <laughs> yeah it looked like it, it looked like he banged it from outside the box nice. near post it was a really nice yeah. shot um so a, now no, correct me if i'm wrong didn't he score a banger in preseason last year and people said Oh yeah, you know this is going to be the year. Was that who's going to be the guy? I hope so, but uh, but it didn't happen didn't happen. Last year. Well, they also gave Josetu the captain ban for a good span last year too. I mean, he was kind of hot, and then he disappeared mm. totally. Okay. So I don't and know. What about the goal we gave up? So the goal we gave up, I again, I, I'm assuming this was kind of the 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 starting uh, thirty minutes. Yes. Uh, it looked like somebody shot from about, I'm going to say, 30, 35 yards out. Yeah, it wasn't even straight. It was pretty wide. It was pretty, way it, 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 They hit it from the right side of the field and hit it near post. And from what it looked like, I mean, it was, again, the, the camera angle was really wide. Brad Guzan just coughed it up off of his chest trying to... To, to be fair, I don't think it was a camera angle. I think somebody filmed it themselves and just posted it on YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It was definitely yeah. it was yeah. definitely not a professional deal. This was yeah. again yeah, yeah. from the nosebleeds. Okay. Uh, which yeah, again I was able to assess it was about thirty yards out. Somebody rips a shot near post. 
Brad goes down to just collect it, but it just bounces off his chest maybe as he goes down for it, and it goes right to one of two uh, Adelante players who just bangs it right in. It was yeah, we su- saw two simple. things on, on Twitter. I mean, a number of people said, oh, why don't they close him down? I'm like, to be honest, against any MLS goalkeeper or, or Brad Guzan, um, from that part of the field, way wide, 35 yards out, if I'm a defender, say, have at it. Yeah, you know that's just a waste. You're not going to beat him from there. So I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen a goal from there. So after that, I went to the the tweetings of the world and said, "Hey, you know, maybe Brad Guzan is in his last of days." Mm. I don't know if you've seen the HBO mm-hmm. uh, show. Oh. Uh, it could be the 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 last of days for Brad. I don't want to be mean, but you know, 38, recovering from an Achilles injury. Even a healthy 38-year-old on an average graph falls off a cliff at some point. And he's got, a, he's got a mountain to climb in terms of getting back to even close to the form that he was at uh, before the injury. Um, and that's a declining graph. So, Dave, who would be the goalkeeper you think that they should play to give him a little more time to regroup? Like, who is it? This Diop guy? Everybody on Twitter seems to say there's this Garces. No, Garces was our draft pick, right? He was the yeah. goalkeeper out of UCLA. Everybody's really he hot was, on him. Well, he was good at UCLA as a college goalkeeper. So, you know, he was good. But we have three backups, right? Because the other guy is um, Wester, Westberg. West, Westberg. Westberg, Diop, and he was and, and He else? was an MLS goalkeeper, right? Garces. Well, Garces isn't even on the roster. He's not. No. Yeah, he's on the twos. He's on the twos. Okay, oh, yeah, and that's sorry. why okay. I keep. I keep. Uh, and everybody's. Everybody yeah. says that. I said. So why didn't we s- sign the long-term goalkeeper mm. for Atlanta United mm. during this last window? Because yeah. we we signed. You know, I don't know Diop from anything, but it sounds by all accounts he's like serviceable at best you know he's a journeyman almost like uh yeah. shuttleworth but i'm hoping he's better than shuttleworth, <laughs> shuttleworth. Um, <laughs> oh, but but I, I don't know what to expect from this guy um so why in the world wouldn't we have figured out who our long-term goalkeeper is knowing brad is he's got a tough tough I think the answer is, as I said before, is they think that Guzan is still good to go for another year or two. Um, Why? <laughs> Carmen, no, I mean, I, Carmen look, what, I, do you, what do you think? So Carmen is our residential because, goalkeeping expert because her son is an absolutely But Garth Lagerwey is a data person, right? So like, yeah. I'm, I, I, yeah. this is no hard feelings on Brad. He's like, he's the, he's the man. Yeah, but the data say that these goalkeepers, the ones who are really, really excellent... You know, we'll really go almost to 40, you know, Vandersar and, um, you know, Neuer, who just hurt himself skiing. Off, off of a major injury, <laughs> though? He hurt himself skiing? Yeah, he tore his ACL skiing. Oh. So, so you're saying, saying to 40, right, which yeah. is he's in his, his twilight of the last two years there. Yep. Off of a major Achilles attendant rupture. Yep. I'm just saying, like, yeah, I'm no, no, I'm no yeah. genius. Like, well, I, I think that's why they brought in a guys as backup. <laughs> they were like cautious enough to bring in guys as backup, right. but the, they, but they were not yet ready to turn the page onto the next goalkeeper. So everybody on Twitter seems to think that this was it Garces. Garces, yeah, yeah, is the long term. And, and, I and don't somebody know else about that. I mean, he was a draft pick. I mean, how many of the college draft picks are even getting close to MLS for us? Like. 
I mean, yeah. Miles Robinson. Miles Robinson. I know another one. Who you got? Right? A former winger from Atlanta United Crestle? who went. Gressel. Yeah. Syracuse, right? Where's, where's no, it was, Miles Robinson was at Syracuse. Gressel played at yeah, Providence. That's right. They're that's both right. Big East players. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's two, but those were both signed in our very first class. Yeah. Right? And they're not goalkeepers. I feel like with a goalkeeper, you need somebody with some experience. Well, you would like, think, you to know? be honest, that you know maybe college soccer is not good enough for MLS players. I don't know. I feel like you know there's definitely great players in college soccer that should yeah. be able to I make mean, the goal, jump. Goalkeeper, certainly goalkeepers. You would yeah. say that yeah. if you're going to find someone, yeah. a goalkeeper would be you know class. And that's why I'm like this Garces guy. I'm like, okay, let me see him. And I, I also, you know, yeah, sure. Give Brad some time right now to knock out the cobwebs. Right. So sure. hopefully, yeah. hopefully that's what he's doing and spill the beans and get the, get the yip. <laughs> would you say Carmen, get the, the, yips? Get the yips out of the way get the in the yips. preseason? Yeah. Yes. Okay. yes. So hopefully that's it. And then we, he finds his footing and I think Carmen said that if her son had given up that goal, she would be disappointed. I did say that. Yes, I wouldn't. And I said I wouldn't tell him that, but oh. I would be disappointed if he. And he would be disappointed. My fifteen-year-old would be disappointed if he spilled something like that. And that's in a, in two. It's two. And in a to row. be honest with you, he would never have spilled that. I mean, that's it was right. just shambolic. It was bad. Yeah. It was and really the, bad. And, and it's bad. two in a row. It's two in a row that were. That's shambolic. the concern, right? You know, it's one thing you're rusty, you make a bad play, or whatever. But in both cases, he's made. Made two mistakes in two consecutive games and it's the same exact mistake both of them were long he was on the ground early he was there and he'd come close to keeping hold of yeah. it that doesn't that's a, that's a red flag mm-hmm. okay so mm. so we are all braguzan fans like yeah i mean that's yeah. safe to say but yeah it's a concern and i also don't know why we didn't if i mean then garces better be our long-term Guy, if that's who you're betting on. I don't know. I don't think so. I think that's people just putting too much stock in the twos. You know, I mean, how many then players? Why would we have, then why would we have signed Diop in like, who's okay, but he's not a yeah. long-term answer. If right we either? really thought that Garces was a legitimate candidate to be our next goalkeeper, then you would never sign two players. Maybe you'd sign one, yeah, why but did, you would never have signed why two. Why did we sign yeah. Westberg and Yeah, Diop, right. That right. doesn't Instead suggest of, that he's, he, Gar says it's in the plans at it, all. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And everybody's like, and everybody on Twitter is like, you're under, you, you are really downplaying our, our talent pool. I'm like, I'm not. Pool. I was like, they're sig- obviously signaling Garza is not the guy because why would they have signed Diop and Westberg, two Frenchies, you know, yeah. that- I mean, no offense. And I think our, you know, it should be better, right? Our talent pool, the pipeline should be better. But I mean, all of the so-called talent pipeline, right? I mean, I think these people are nuts, right? Carlton didn't make it, right? Um, you know, Machop Chol hasn't shown us anything yet, right? Before that, um, it was Lagos Kunga yeah. who didn't come close to playing for us, right? I mean, this pipeline that people speak of, I mean, who has come out of the twos? Jackson Conway hasn't done anything for the team. He no. may, you know, maybe he will, but, you know, there is nobody that has come out of the twos through our system that has made the club. None, right? I mean, yeah. can we name, can, am I missing I, someone? No. Has, have we I, met anybody who's made significant contribution to the club? Not that I can think of as I sit here. Yeah. It's all just like scratching, 
And everybody's so excited about it. I'm like, and I, you know, the guy who the center back on the twos, who is a, you know, a, a product from the the academy. I, and I'm just Campbell. No, was no, Campbell no. Yeah, you know, Campbell. Campbell came out of the twos. You can say he yeah. made a contribution, okay. but he's gone now. Yeah, Campbell. Right? Yeah. Not McFadden. He played a couple. McFadden games. was a draft. He didn't come from the twos. Oh, no. He was a draft pick. George okay. Bello was a product of the. Bello came out. So there. Now ah, we got one. Okay. Yeah. So you're, so there's one for sure. Bello yeah. absolutely came through the academy system, made a major impact before moving out to Europe. So that there's one for sure. Okay. Is he just disappeared? What's his scoop? Yeah, he's just disappeared. And I, as I told you, when they sent him, he's not ready to go to Europe yet because offensively he was absolutely ready, but he doesn't know how to defend. Yeah. And he's never learned how to defend, right? Which is a problem. I mean, because at Atlanta United, it's not a problem. But, yeah. <laughs> but, but the rest okay. of the clubs depend on their outside backs to actually defend. Okay, so that's a good transition on defending, right? Because um, let's move on to, again, Atlanta United. We talked a little bit about their who we thought the starting lineup would be. I think I was a little confused that Etienne might be more of like a attacking center midfielder, like as in a replacement option for Huzetu. That might be more box to box. Evidently he's a left winger. Um, so he might be versatile enough to, to play in the midfield, but I think his background is definitely on the left side. Uh, so that would indicate that, yeah, with mascara leaving and maybe, Again, putting Wiley coming off the bench that Etienne is the potential starter out on the left wing, which then obviously indicates that Araujo has to be the inverted on the other side, right, Dave? Yeah, we've I mean, got to be, right? Because, I mean, now we actually have two left footers, right? So you would think, I mean, the weird thing, if, if Etienne truly is a winger, and I agree, I think that people are giving us you know, a hard time, I, I, you know, to be honest, as we've always said, we haven't followed the other teams in MLS that much. And so we haven't seen that much of Etienne. And so if he is truly a left-footed winger, great. Um, yeah. But that's interesting because if he's a left-footed winger, then they just bought a guy to block Wiley. I, exactly. Right? And I don't get that either because I feel like Wiley's on the up. But um, I assumed that even if he played a little bit left winger for Columbus, that they saw him as one of the attacking midfielder yeah. roles and they would still yeah, have Wiley's homegrown Wiley. too, by the way, we were talking about, right? Yeah. Yes. But I wouldn't say he's made a major impact for us. No, yet. I think, um, as far as somebody I believe in to be able to make a yeah, major he impact, certainly like, should be he, able he's to. probably at the top of my list though. And so now you bring a guy in to block him from any progress in minutes. Um, interesting. No. Yeah. I, I completely agree. You know, it's a bit of a head scratcher because he's, you know, okay. 25 or 26 so, or something. So like that, that, that means so. he's out on the left, which means that now who's now who's in the center, right? So Alonzo uh, recovering from a knee injury. I mean, what, right? Best case scenario, he's coming back in the summer with. Yeah, like, but Alonzo is a defensive midfielder, right? Yeah, he's, he's a Sosa cover or Sosa's a cover for him. Um, that's not an attacking midfielder, you would say. No, no, not, not attacking midfielder. So like an Ibarra type of role. Uh, he, he and Ibarra could swap, right? I, I'm I'm thinking of like a defensive posture yeah. where you've got Sosa, well, <laughs> Sosa and Ibarra. You're missing the obvious one who we don't like to talk about. <laughs> no, I'm not going to mention his name. Stop it. He's, he is not. No. 
<laughs> you shall not be mentioned. <laughs> Sadich. No. I said it. I said it. I said it. Sadich. What do you, I mean, why is it, he has no point in being said. Is that, that's not proper English. No. He doesn't deserve proper English. Just no, He doesn't. He doesn't. Okay. All right, go on with yourself. Talk about a Marchetti getting in there. So who's so? What's the midfield? If he's out, he's out left. So you got Sosa and then uh, Almada. Who's the third? I mean, you know, presumably, you know, one possibility is Araujo um, yeah. as as an attacking midfielder who's more inside. If that's true, and he's not the right of a front three. Right then, um, presumably, um, you know, Brooks Lennon has to be that role, and then Hernandez is behind them. But that doesn't seem like he hasn't started Hernandez anything. It looks like Brooks Lennon is going to be the starting right back. Yeah, I, I mean, I keep saying he shouldn't be, but we all know he will be. So that means you've got. So it's a front three. Obviously, the middle is going to be Yakamakis. Yep. Yakamakis Papa Giorgio. <laughs> what? <laughs> Papa Giorgio. So evidently, if Dave has done his research, evidently the proper pron- pronunciation of this Greek fellow's name is Yakamakis. Yakamakis. I think it's going to be easier for us uh, average people just to say <laughs> Papa Giorgio. I okay. Think her. So you got Yakamakis. I mean, presumably we were saying Yakamakis. Almada and Araujo flanking Yakamakis. So those are the three. If that's the case, then the next three are all central players. So who's so if it's not Etienne, right? I mean that's the thing, right? So he has always played a four-three-three with three attackers, right? So you got to figure we have a striker. It's got to be Yakamakis, and he always insists on playing right. a striker. So you got right? him as striker. You got Etienne out on the left and Arizia on the right. No, because what about Tiago? So you're saying those are the three, and then Tiago Almada and it's Tiago Almada is one of the central midfielders along with uh, Ebarra and Josetu. That's more how I pictured in my mind. Okay. Not, I mean, the thing about Almada is he can play anywhere. Sure. I just feel like him coming from a more central position is in our favor because he's so good at, on the ball. He makes really good. Yeah, I like it offensively, positions. but of course, if you have Almada as one of the center three as opposed to the, and you have three players in front of him, that means that it's a very aggressive midfield because Almada is not really going to defend in the midfield. Right, which is why I like Ibarra back there. Well, you got to have Abara, but Abara and Josetu is not going to do it. Abara and Abara and Josetu got dominated no, by Chattanooga. Abara and Sosa. <laughs> right? Abara and Sosa. Yeah, and now one of the things that we will say, is we've been talking about how in the world is Sosa not in the starting lineup or in the plans, but one of the things that we keep forgetting, and I've reminded us a couple times, but we keep forgetting, um, Sosa picked up, that uh, suspension for supposedly making a homophobic uh, remark, which he claims he didn't even know was homophobic as a Spanish yeah. you know, kind of gesture. Anyway, he was suspended for three games. He served one game at the end of the year. So he's suspended for the first two games, mm-hmm. which is, I presume, why he's not in there. Although, here, here's my question to you, Carmen, Mikey Dobbs. Feel free to jump in, right? So if... Let's say Sosa is your starting defensive midfielder, right? But he's just not available for the first two games, 
right? What are you starting in these preseason games? Are you going with the team that you think is going to be your permanent team? Or are you going with the starting lineup for your first two games? I think you, I don't know, at this point I'd be questioning like how you would leverage Parata and this new Abram guy in some creative way just to get the season off with more talent on the field. Sure, but I'm talking about right now, let's say you say that, that Sosa, we're not saying this is true, but let's yeah. say Sosa is the defensive midfielder. If you are Pineda and you see him as your starting defensive midfielder, but uh -huh. you know that he's not available for yeah. two games, in these preseason games, do you start him or not? That's a great question. I think that... Uh, I think no. I think I mean Sosa knows how to come back and he knows how to play the position. Um, so I don't know. What's your take, Carmen? I think I'm fine with not starting him um, to get whoever's going to be in those first two games, get them acclimated, so we start strong. Because we talked about it last week, we need to win these first couple games. Yeah. I mean, we got to be serious about it. So I, I'm I'm fine bringing those people yeah. who are going to be there for us in those first couple of games to get used to everything and be ready to go from the get-go. And I completely disagree with y'all. Okay. Because if I'm preseason, I'm trying to build my top lineup. I'm trying to get people to learn how to play together. As we get towards the very end of preseason, I would then alter it to whatever it's going to be on the starting day. But through the bulk of preseason – all the minutes that I'm giving would be the lineup that I think yeah. is going to do. Establish, this is how yes. we play. So because this is not every, about... So everybody else is watching to say, this is our identity. So I, I hear what you're saying, right? Getting so, people used to playing the way they're going to play. If you think Sosa is going to be the starting defensive center midfielder for the bulk of the season, he should be the starting defensive midfielder for most of the preseason. I get that you have to be ready for opening day, and so you've got to adjust it the last yeah. game maybe. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I can see both sides of the coin there. But, uh, yeah, I you know, I, I like that from the standpoint of establishing the identity, who you want to be long-term. Especially setting, if you have a team coming early. off of 10th place yeah. and you're mm -hmm. like, I want my starters to be able to play well together. One of the things we've been very critical of, and it's showing once again, right, um, you know, we get signings so late that they don't have a preseason with us. Now... In the past, like Thiago Hamada didn't even come until two games into the season because he came and then he had to go back. Yeah. But Yakimakis and Abrams um, have both actually now touched down with the team. In Mexico. In Mexico, including Yakimakis. So he actually isn't formally signed yet. He's undergoing a physical, but he did it in Mexico, which means they presumably want him immediately to join the team. Are there any rumored green card visa type of issues or whatever to get them moving faster? I mean, is... That an issue or we haven't heard it, but we heard, often yeah. that happens. We're like, there's a guy ready to go. And then they're like, oh, he's got to go back yeah. to Peru to get his visa. Yeah. It, so, so it sounds like at least from the Yakamakis Papa Giorgio standpoint, yeah. like that's less of an issue, I guess, for European right. players. Right. But for Abram, I don't know. Yep. Well, if, you, if you're going to pick one that, you know, could go back, you would say he, you want Yakamakis to be here because... He has got to be the starter on opening day. I'm not even sure if Abrams is. You know, Parata is perfectly capable. Yeah, agreed. So, Oof. where are we going here? Uh, and what about mystery, you know, bachelor number three, behind door number three? There was supposed to be three crickets. signings, according to mm -hmm. Pineda. We have heard nothing. 
crazy. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, and that's the mystery too, because, uh, you know, I think if Josetu or Ibarra don't make it happen this season in terms of that role, because Amar Sedek, like they didn't against Amar Sedek could just <laughs> disappear into the sunset as far as I'm concerned. I don't know why we signed him. Um, he hasn't played yet. Also, I was about to say, have we heard Mm-mm. anything from him? Again, must, good. Must be good. injured. Perfect. <laughs> so maybe Pineda is doing something right, except so for we re-signing have a couple him. of players who are supposedly not injured in Etienne and Sadich. Although you said Carmen, you read something about him Etienne being injured. Yeah, I think they said something like minor injury issue keeping him from playing, something like minor. that. But he's training. He's training with them. Um, this he's is like when Marcelino Moreno had a hangnail on his toe and they couldn't play him. So that's what happened. It lasted right? a long time. It did, yeah. It's like months. Yes. A month, month and a half. Uh, all right. And so, I don't believe for one minute that the two signings that looks like are coming, I do not believe for one minute that when Pineda told people there were three people coming, that Yakamakis was one of them. I don't believe it because hmm. he was on his way to Japan and uh, it certainly changed. Was. I think he was. I think yeah. I don't think so. I think they had enough of an inside track at that point. Uh, by okay. by my, I, yeah, I don't know. But I, I think they did. I think I'll they take did. that, but we'll never be able to solve it. So never be able to solve it. Yes. So useless bet. You know these preseason games, especially the first two. Like I, I get it. They're scrimmages and all, but it's not a good sign that we've given up. What? What's the goal differential here now? <laughs> seven goals and given Pineda up seven goals in two says games. he's focused on defense. Yeah, and so, to be honest with you, our defense is the most settled thing there is, right? Because Gutman, if the opening defensive lineup is Gutman and Parata and Miles Robinson and Brooks Lennon, they're all four on the field. Um, so that's uh, a head yeah, scratcher. That is true. That could be our starting lineup on opening day defensively, and those guys are the same guys who gave up seven goals in both. They started both games. So uh, us now, in fairness, good. in fairness, we shouldn't say they gave up seven goals because uh, the team gave up seven goals, and those guys did give up three goals against Chattanooga, but. In this second game against Atalanta, it was 1-1 when they were on the field, right. and we didn't give up the other goals, the other three until but after. But Chattanooga, we gave, our starters did give up three, right? Yeah, they gave up yes, three. They did. So that's four goals. In yeah. And two of them against, have been a horrible Guzan thing, so presumably that's not yeah. the fault of the back four. Yeah. So, you know. Okay, okay. Yeah. But still. Still. Look at y'all being positive Lower on the bright side over there. Teams, though. <laughs> Lower level teams. I'm not too positive. And then there's Mikey Ducks. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. Making <laughs> it real. Come on. Bring in the real. All right. Now in Europe, Dave, we want to pivot? You sure. Gonna... <sighs> we got a couple headlines happening. Jesse Marsh at Leeds United States of America, who uh, recently brought on a third. Uh, U.S. men's national Captain team player, Weston coaching McKinney. America. Yeah, got sacked yesterday. Yeah. Uh, where's that today? I don't know. Um, today, this and morning. Also, news dropped of Manchester City <laughs> um, uh, being, there's allegations across over a span of nine years of 
uh, breaking financial fair. So the interesting rules. thing about that scenario is that Manchester City has already been was already accused uh, of by UEFA, European um, uh, <coughs> the group that oversees all European football, UEFA, already brought uh, charges against Man City and said that they were not compliant with the fair play rules and docked them the two years they suspended them from Champions League football. Now, Man City appealed that to the, the, uh, the Court of Fair Sport Appeals, which is an international court. Weird. You know, who knew these things existed? But they do. And they won the appeal. So that got overturned, which is why they've been playing in the Champions League the last two years. And we thought, okay, you know, they were fairly adjudged in a court, right? And they got out of it. So, you know, moving on. It turns out, yes, it turns out, which I only learned this morning, that they only got out of that because they found a clause in the UEFA rules that said there was a statue of limitations, basically, on the number of years that you could go back and look at. And so they didn't argue that they were not guilty. They argued that they couldn't bring the charges because it happened before and the statute of limitations had run out. And they won based on that <laughs> argument. So, Carmen, <laughs> you're a lawyer. What do you think? Got off on a technicality? What does that mean? Yes, definitely got off on a technicality. Basically being like, all this stuff that happened more than four years ago, even though it shows you're guilty, we can't look at that. But you know you're guilty. And then the Premier League and somebody else comes in. So the in. Premier League has the exact same <laughs> fair play clause, but it does, or fair play rules, but it lacks that clause about the statue of limitations, apparently. They can go back. So that doesn't bode well for Man City, because if they were really innocent, they probably would have tried to get off of it by saying, look, we didn't do it. Right. Right. They didn't try that. They tried to get off and saying, you can't bring these charges because they're too old. So that doesn't bode well for Man City. People, I thought unfairly that they had gotten off because so, they were not guilty <laughs> and that, that nobody, you know, when I first saw these charges this morning, I'm like, that's not going to stick. They've already been ruled in the international court in their favor. Right. But it turns out that was only on the technicality. I know I look like a simpleton, <laughs> but when I see a team that has their third stringers just as good as Nottingham Forest... And you're oh, like better than Nottingham Forest. Why? What is the purpose of this financial fair play? How does this exist? You just signed well, Erling Haaland. Uh, hold on, financial fair <laughs> just, play. That's why. And, anyway, and yeah. almost every other probably big team in the EPL has been doing it too. True. Juventus is doing it. I guarantee you, Real Madrid and Barcelona. I mean, that disaster has been doing it. I mean, it's a freaking joke, and nobody <laughs> that likes soccer gives a flying bleep on it they don't like why should they hamstring any team for signing Erling Holland if they want to sign him and they got money then let them let them play because that's what we're getting I mean and then you got all these investigations on all these little lawyer rule I mean it's stupid it's so stupid go ahead and hit the button again because I'm just He's heating up. what's the point and it's probably breaking some other law for allowing a business Somebody to actually a run like a business they want to 
Hire a player and pay him if they got the money. Why? Why can't they, Dave? Wow, that was a dual button. I like. That. <laughs> all right, so here's my thing. So, so if so, first of all, let's compare and contrast to MLS. So MLS, because of the um, the old NASL where the Cosmos and everything else were in, right? And I think it was Atlanta Chiefs. Is yeah, that the team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. I was from New York, kid, so I don't know these things. But Mikey Dobbs apparently went to those games. Because he's about 60 years old. I went to the Atlanta Attack games. <laughs> oh, so did I. With Drago. Yaro. Yaro saying, no yeah. way. <laughs> wow, you guys are probably at the same game. We were. Uh, we were the three people there. <laughs> and you were fighting over the t-shirt that they threw into the crowd. Hell yeah. Mikey Dobbs. That's Carmen. who I ran into. <laughs> Carmen just boxed him out and got to it. Uh, okay, so... Because of all that and because, you know, so what happened was they started a league and um, the Cosmos being from New York had all kinds of money and backing and they just went and bought the greatest team in the history of soccer. Pele and Naskins and all these players played for Cosmos and they just kicked the crap out of everybody else. And it was awesome. They had sometimes 70,000 in a game, but... um, the league went bankrupt in like two years. <laughs> so, so when MLS started, they said, ah, that's not going to happen. We, you know, we got to do it. So they have had a very, very strict salary cap. Yeah. Right. And that doesn't allow you the clubs to get in bidding wars about players because there's a salary cap, right? Cause normally, you know, basically capitalism, it drives up the price. Right. So because of that, you know, the MLS has, I think it really helped us survive uh, as a league in the early years. They have now opened the purse strings a little bit by having designated yeah. players, and those can go over the salary cap. So that's how you can sign. So, but the a purpose Beckham of this a, whole fiscal responsibility in the MLS makes total sense because of what you're saying, so that the league can at least get on a stage where it can survive into the right. foreseeable future. Now, and now we're at the point with MLS where you've got people who want to invest enough like Miami and Atlanta to where Miami gets busted for bending the rules of rules that people don't understand the same way people don't understand the rules of financial fair play. You're going to continue to try to bend the rules to win. And even more so, I think, you know, for European football, it doesn't even matter. Europe has had a history. There's been some premier league teams, for example, was not in the premier league era before the premier league era that spent so much money and went bankrupt. And so, um, they have had rules for a long time that if you are basically in financial arrears, if you're bankrupt, then you can get docked points, you know, and, um, to avoid this. Right. Um, yeah, but you just, if you aren't financially responsible as a European football club, you just fall to the bottom leagues like, Leeds well, United did, and then you've got to build your way back up over 10 years yeah, to but earn your way the, back. Here's the counterexample. Like How the, is that not the way the, it should work? The current Barcelona situation, right? Barcelona was just spending ridiculous amount of money on all these players, right? And Barcelona had no problem with income, right? They have a huge amount of income yeah. coming in. And they're still bankrupt because they spent a zillion dollars on all these players, right? And so... They're trying to avoid that. The whole point of financial fair play is like, look, if you are a fantastic club and you have a huge audience and you can convince, you know, Chevrolet to be on the front of 
Manchester United jerseys for a hundred million, which is supposedly what they mm -hmm. paid or something just to be on the jersey, right? Good for you. Go for it. But they just say that, okay, you have to be somewhat financially responsible so that if you're on, if you're bringing that in, you can only spend that. And, and Barcelona, God bless them, was bringing in a ton of money and still overspent right, it's their it. company. It's their business. Yeah, but now they're bankrupt. So okay, now what? Good. Then go out of business. Oh, oh you want you, <laughs> you want, can want a team that wins the title works. to disappear? That's how it works. You're financially irresponsible. You go out of business. So you think Barcelona could win the title this year and next year not exist as a club? If the people who run it are financially irresponsible, that's what should happen. Instead of trying to make up some bullcrap super league to protect you from some financial irresponsibility I, that you just want to continue to hide behind. But and the that's whole point happening. of this is just to protect them from themselves, right? To say, all right, you know, you won't want to get into a bidding war all the time. And there has to be a limit to it so that, you know, that if you know we're bringing in this much revenue, we can't have the six consecutive bidding war and spend a hundred million dollars like they did on, um, you know, whatchamacallit from Liverpool, the Brazilian guy, yeah. Cortinho, right? And well, how much did, how did that work yeah. out? But I have no problem with these clubs going out of business for making bad businesses. That's how it works. That's how business works. You okay. make the wrong, you make the wrong bets on your employees to produce the end result. But I don't really think the financial <laughs> fair play rules really. I think what you're what I thought you were going to object to more to is, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, is that, you know, you don't want to have the, basically the right, if you're a major club to be able to go out and spend, you know, a hundred million on Holland. And I believe they should do that. If you're a big club and can bring in that revenue, go for it. But, you know, I'm not sure we should be in an era where people just bid up players for no reason. Everybody pays too Who's much. People? And then, uh, it's a business. Yeah. Sure. It's not people. It's a, it's, it's, yeah, it's a business. It's sure. a business. It's not I agree. people. I agree. They, they're hiring employees and they're trying to make a profit. And if they don't make a profit yeah. and that continues over a number of years, bad things happen. But what, what happens is that, you know, somebody will make a ridiculous bid for, you know, uh, not such a great player and it drives up the price. Right. And then somebody pays it. And then suddenly two years in around the road now, like all these clubs are going bankrupt. Yeah. Like, that's what happens in normal businesses, too. <laughs> if yes. the talent gets, you have to but, think about it and make the right decision. Yeah, but the difference between a normal business and a club, right, is a club. It is a normal business. I know, but it, but a club also belongs to a city, to the fans, the people. And it, no, no, it they, has a huge impact. I mean, you've been watching Wrexham, right? Yeah, they're Look fans. Look at what happened to Wrexham. It killed, you know, part of the city, right? Correct. So but, there's a there's a slight different thing there than a normal business. Well, the slight difference is, is that there's actually fans of businesses, which is weird, right? Like <laughs> early days, you could say early, early five years of Google, people were fans of Google. And sure. look how that's turned on them. Everybody oh. hates Google now. Oh. But you could say they were the darling of the tech the first five years. I was like, Google, Google, Google. So I'm just equating it to that, right? Okay. Um, over time, what happens is a business is going to be accountable and they have to be accountable to stockholders and all that stuff if you're the big dogs. Okay. Okay. Simple. I don't this have a problem. I don't have a problem with just fair because play. people are emotionally invested in the business. 
Yeah, I Carmen, what do you think about that? fair play? Do you think it should it's okay to exist or no? Yeah. I'm torn on this one. She's a lawyer, to, so come on. I know. I am torn on this one. I just, I kind of lean towards Mikey Dobbs in the sense that they're uh, business. I know it's weird, but it's businesses mm-hmm. and you just, whoever right. gets it done, gets it done. Okay. I mean, isn't that the whole point of relegation and promotion? These sure. poor guys. I do agree with especially that. Especially Wrexham. I, I mean, mean, one thing you will the, say. Let's take the Rob and, 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 Rob and R- Ryan. Ryan example, right? Mm-hmm. They spent $2.5 million on a, on a non-league team, right? Peanuts. What do you think that the what do you think people spent on buying the Wolves? I don't know what conglomerate. Well, right of, now they're talking about of, Man United, oil, oil like company. what five, eight billion, something, yeah. something like that. Right. So I mean, literally, like two point five million versus five hundred billion. Right? right. I mean, it's not even. We're not even talking. So all the all the power to those guys for being able to go up against a Sheffield United championship team, which is 70 teams above and even compete. Well, they, they realized the flaw in the system, which is you could buy a team at 2.5 million and then you could spend yeah. all this money. I think know, they're realizing um, what I'm saying is these big teams are going to have to deal with the fact that they have to run their club. It ain't a club. It's a business. You're not running a club that's here for the community you're, you 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 got to actually make money. You got to make money first and foremost. Okay. It's sad. All I right. know. Well, hate me for it. I don't. Why do I Hit us up. Why on- do I have to be the bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> you're not a bad guy. Somebody should put a straitjacket on this guy. It's almost like football should be a pure game. You know, should be like a real pure pure game. Game. Just like Guadalajara. You say, I do it, coach. Football is live. Football is live. <laughs> Football is live, coach. I got new buttons. I was a little slow. Sorry about Hold that. On. Hit the other one. I can okay, do it. The podcast. Football is live, coach. Football is live. Excellent. <laughs> new season, new buttons, people. <laughs> Danny Rojas. Football is life, coach. <sighs> when is the next season dropping? Don't know. Oh, you know, Rexon plays tomorrow. Yep. 2 30, 245. On yeah. ESPN 2. 8 oh, and upgrade. That's because it's during the week. So For our listeners, the add the two. <laughs> they are playing it live at Wild Heaven Brewery. Oh, nice. So, go, sit, go to the brewery. If you're a slacker in the middle of the afternoon, like some people I know. <laughs> we don't know anybody like that. No, and I'm always working very, very yes. hard. <laughs> Danny Rojas. Uh, All right. Uh, I put me in such a good mood there. I went, I'm, I'm like running highs and lows right now, but the financial fair play stuff does get me fired up. Okay. Because, I mean, also, at the end of the day, right, like what good does this do? And It doesn't do any good for... The English Premier League doesn't do any good for Juventus and Serie A. La Liga hates it, obviously, because they're just trying to eject themselves <laughs> into some other league because there's only two teams in La Liga. Like it, it's like the whole thing is just this whirlwind of nonsense. Okay. Also, when it go bankrupt, I mean, what, then what, people start stop being paid. 
all those those you know lower players on the no they don't team. Erlen Holland's gonna go to some other team like and he's gonna get yeah, paid yeah but and the paid. players on the Syria B team but he's probably eventually gonna get paid Dave what his actual value is uh, instead of some of these inflated prices that the EPL has created yeah. right. so what will happen is the market value of these players comes down to earth on what these clubs can actually afford fair capitalism in its purest I damn like straight it. it's a natural um, hand. Yes, competition is the invisible hand that brought the best possible goods to the consumer at the lowest price. Adam Smith, market That's economy. Right, Adam Smith. Okay, there you go. Look at you. All right. Look <laughs> <laughs> how smarties. Who thought I was a scientist? Uh, okay, leads. Jesse Marsh gone. Gone. Okay. Um, so you were saying that you didn't expect it. I expected it. Did you? I'm just gonna no, go right I, out. I there. didn't say I didn't. Carmen, I was not expecting uh, Carmen. Carmen. Tell uh, us why you didn't expect it, Carmen. One, because the guy on NBC Sports told me that it wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and two, I just thought they would give him a little more time, a little more, a little more rope, yeah. more because it was with? very exciting at first. Oh. He's part of like the whole Team I, USA thing, getting them like I don't know. Yeah, I'm not surprised he's he's was let go. I thought he would have gotten one more game. Okay. With Weston McKinney coming in, I thought one more game, one more game. He uh, should have started Weston McKinney. He should have. I mean, when you get a yeah. signing like that, you throw him right in the team. I mean, Alex Ferguson used to say this, and is that, look, if you sign somebody. To help and, rescue you. <laughs> well, forget that, even to rescue. He said, if you sign some player, like I'm not talking about an 18-year-old kid as a prospect, but if you sign an actual player for your team, that player should have a role in your mind for that team, which means that they fly in, they show up, they should go into the team in that role. If you don't need that player or if you don't have a role for them, they shouldn't be here. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So if Weston McKinney has a role, and I think he does, he should have walked right into that team and been starting. So they're playing your team, Man United, next, right? Yeah, but now he's gone. But let's just talk about why he's gone. And I want to talk about... So Jesse Marsh's record, so we haven't talked, <laughs> if we, I have this whole, you know, uh, this font of MLS coaching record knowledge that I have mm. waiting to unleash on you all, but <laughs> I won't right now, but, <laughs> but I will say that Jesse Marsh, so Jesse Marsh started out in MLS. He was a coach at the Montreal Impact initially, and he did terribly there. For half a season or a season, I think he got promoted or interim. Maybe even was the first coach. I'm not sure. But um, he moved to the Red Bulls. And under the Red Bulls, he had a terrific record. That being said, he had a terrific record regular season. And they just just failed in the playoffs many, many years in a row. Um, He didn't get run out at Red Bulls. But Red Bulls, as you know, Mikey Dobbs and Carmen, uh, is part of the whole Red Bull empire, Mm -hmm. right? And they have a collection of clubs. So they have a team in Austria, Red Bull Austria. They have a team in Germany, RB Leipzig, right? So what happened was Jesse Marsh got promoted from their MLS team, Red Bull New York, to their Red Bull Austria team in Europe. And he did really well there. Right. Um, and in fact, um, your boy, U.S. national team guy from Philadelphia Union yeah. played there under him before moving to Leeds with him. But um, <clears throat> anyway, um, so Brendan Aronson. So we're talking about anyway. Yeah. But, um, the, pe- but the listeners know. Yeah. Okay. 
your boy. That's all you need to say. Um, <laughs> so anyway, he did really well in Austria. I think they won the league. They qualified for the Champions League from Austria. Um, and then Nagelsmann was the coach at Leipzig, which is the Red Bull Germany team. And he got them to, I believe, second place. They qualified for the Champions League, right? And he got, as happens in Germany, whenever Bayern Munich doesn't think they're about to do well, they just sign everybody who's doing better against them. So they signed him. They still have the coach. That never happens in any other league. But in Germany, you can go from coaching the second team to the first team. Well, <laughs> not not like the second team at a club, the second place team in the Bundesliga <laughs> to the first place team. So he went from RB Leipzig to Bayern Munich, and then they just shuffled the pack. So Jesse Marsh got moved up from Austria to RB Leipzig. So he took over a Champions League team. And did he succeed there? Negative. No. He drove them right into like 13th place or something. Like they were terrible. Did they have any good players? Yeah, they were Champions League team. And now they did lose a couple of players. But to be honest with you, I think they lost most of their really good players after that. Um, Anyway, but he didn't do well there. He got sacked. He didn't even last a full season. Um, He didn't really get a huge chance, but he wasn't doing well. And then he was only unemployed for a little while, and then he got hired by Leeds. Leeds had your other boy, Bielsa, who was amazing and had them, you know, mid to, you know, upper table. We had the bet, right, (laughs) of whether Leeds would do well. And I said, Bielsa's track record says always in the third year he drives his team right into the ground because he runs them to death. And they did. And they, they were all the way in the relegation zone. Jesse Marsh came in. And did they get relegated? No. Mm, kind of On the final day of barely. the season, they just won barely. and just yes. barely Little survived. Yes. I don't barely. know that it was a success per se. But they didn't get relegated. Yeah. And yes, it was a success because they didn't get So then Jesse Marsh got a chance now for a full offseason and to start the team. And where did he end up? Right towards the bottom of the right table. back in the relegation zone. So... I think he had it coming. You got to do better than that. You know who's coming out of the rele- relegation zone? Wolves. Oh, you're wolves. wolves. Yeah, because they, who's their coach now? I, I forget his name. I'm blanking on his. Uh... Lepatagui or something? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't make me try to pronounce it. Um, I was counting on you to pronounce it. I'm terrible with names. You and got Yakamakis, and he's I can't, can't get my. It's my team. He's your team. He's, he's, too, he's too new for me to invest in his name. He's Spanish, right? Yeah. You just make yeah. up names as we go along. No, I like him. Um, Maybe Carmen but, can look up his real name for us. And the pronunciation Wolves, too. They olayed Liverpool off the field. Hey, ooh, Liverpool right now. Liverpool. What? What? Is ha- I mean, is Klopp how? Klopp's, How long is Klopp? Is Klopp's in the hot seat. He's got to be, right? I mean. Like 10th in the table. Yeah. Not like Not good. good. Not Chelsea good. and Liverpool just hanging out in the middle. So have you been watching Liverpool? Do you know what's going on? What happened? Uh, I mean, I would say that there's a lot of players that have just kind of aged, uh, including Mo Salah and, you know, you've got. Uh, who- I don't think Mo Salah has really aged. He's still in his. Certainly in his prime. Uh, yeah, there he, are other players who have aged, though. Yeah, yeah Milner. Milner, and, for sure. And, uh, Henderson. Henderson, for sure. Right? So, like, those guys have lost their step. 
Alex Firmino Alex, for sure. Firmino, their whole center midfield age. Not, not not that Alexander Arnold has aged, but he's not he playing. hasn't aged like, well. He hasn't aged well. <laughs> it's just there's. You know, you, yeah, but here's the thing about Trent. You lose that mojo as a unit when you're those those guys we just mentioned were the heart of of something that everybody believed in, and it's it's just fluttered away. Well, so what happened in that? So that team has Trent Arnold, Arnold Alexander going forward, and he's terrific going forward. He's not so good defensively, um, and um, played pretty good defensively actually against the Wolves. Sure, but what I'm, what, but, what I'm saying is that that team was built to press and be up the field. And when Milner, Firmino, and um, who else did you just mention? Right, Henderson. Uh, Henderson, right, were in their prime, that was a heck of a midfield. And it was a midfield that didn't actually always get that, forwards, that far forward, so they were there to, to start the, the press, right? As maybe we might talk about Atlanta United <laughs> One of the problems we have is we don't have players there to, to start the press. So um, those guys were sitting there. And in addition, they had, when they ever got beat, they had Van Dyke, who was amazing. So Van Dyke's been injured, yeah. right? So they no longer have the guy to bail them out. Their central three midfielders are old, right? And they lost Mane, the other guy who pressed well up top. Right, they lost and Mane. suddenly snowball yeah. effect. And what does Liverpool look like right now? Like, it's average at best. They look very similar to Atlanta United. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I think that's... They not. have some of the same problems that we do. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a hard, hard one to equate to. But going back to Atlanta United, Dave... <laughs> I'm not saying that they're... <coughs> Do you know how to beat Atlanta United? I do. Curious. Would you like me to tell you? I totally would love to show the listeners how other MLS teams can beat Atlanta United. This is not... Okay, you keep talking. I'm going to move over here. What's happening right now? Well, it's not a popular opinion, Carmen. And so as you shift us over to the tactical diagram, which Dave is going to walk us through... Is happening. His layout here on why we continue to be vulnerable on counterattacks and how it's avoidable. Dave is going to get some headphones here. Carmen, here's some headphones for you. And we're sharing. Look at that. Sharing. I don't know if I like Dave on my producer couch. What's happening? You still get your own microphone and headphones. <laughs> all right. So you're all right. You're all right. It's all happening. So if you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> we are juggling what around. What just happened? So Dave can actually diagram on the YouTube here what we think the starting lineup will be for Atlanta United, uh, all things being healthy, what we think Pineda will start, and why Pineda continues to kind of play his tactics that he does uh, and why that might set us up for continued failure. Dave? I'm going to make uh, two changes that I think Pineda is actually going to make. Um, I switched some of the players. Okay. But anyway, so if you so are... So this is to start the season, basically, you're saying? 
Is this what you think Pineda is going to have as kind of given people coming back from injuries? Is there we, any, anything we have no choose? idea about Abram. You know, that could be Parata. But yeah. outside of that, um, I think this is probably the likely lineup on opening day. So Guzan, Abram, Robinson, Lennon, Gutman. It could be Parata, so we don't know. Could be a Parata. We, we don't but then, know about it. Then you're saying our midfield is midfield is Josetu Sedic. Araujo and Etienne on the wings. Almada is attacking center mid and yeah. Yakamakis, Papa Giorgio up front. Right. All right. Go, Dave. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> Setting the stage. This is a you know even more dramatic example of what I'm supposed to give you. Now, one of the things I'll say, so if you are not if you're listening to the podcast, this is a very visual thing. So um, I don't know what we, we expect our, our people just listening on the podcast to do. But anyway, we encourage you to go check out the YouTube channel because then you'll really be able to see it. Yeah, it's at the end of the podcast. Everybody's falling asleep anyway. <laughs> how dare All you? All right. So, <laughs> so what we're going to talk about a little bit is how you beat Atlanta United. All right, so the thing that... Atlanta United system is designed to do is to overload the flanks. I believe that Pineda referred to it as his airplanes. <laughs> so his airplanes are Goodman and Lennon. Okay, so here's how it works. So right now the ball has been rolled out by Guzan to Robinson, and we're just starting a normal attack. Whoever we're playing against, in this case, I chose to make the team that we're playing against play a similar uh, 4-3-3, right? Okay, so here's the problem. The moment we start to win the ball, what happens is Lennon and Goodman go flying as airplanes down the wing. Down the wing. So I'm going to show you. So Lennon goes all the way. He doesn't stop here. And we'll go back to that in a minute. He comes all the way up to here. And Goodman comes all the way up to here. And Etienne is usually scrunched up a little bit, and Yakamakis is at their back guy. And so we often look somewhat like this in offense, right? So we often, we've taken pictures of this last year in the game where we have literally only two players back. And you can literally draw a line of one, two, three, four, five, six Atlanta United players. And, and we'll say they're up a little bit here in the back. Right, right along their back line. Okay, so here's the problem with it. Right, so the problem with this lineup, what it's supposed to do is we're supposed to get a ball out here to Lennon, right? And what's supposed to happen in Lennon by being wide, I think Pineda thinks is going to overload the side and create a two v one with Lennon and Araujo against their right back. Okay, right. but here the first problem is, as we've documented many times, when you play this ball out to Lennon, he's all the way so far up there that he ends up sort of coming back to the ball. So the moment he gets there, he's not actually turning and trying to go at the player. He has to turn right there. What if you're playing against Atlanta United, what you say is. God bless. Thank you, Lennon, for going all the way forward. Thank you, Gutman, for going all the way forward. And you make your outside back responsible for them. Okay? So right now, number four on their team is responsible Ob for Obvious Lennon. matchup. They know where to push up and put the pressure. Yeah, so number four is responsible for them. You might say, oh, we kind of have a two-on-one, but... 
We don't really, right? I mean, mostly if the ball's over here, their backs are going to be pinched in a little bit, right? Like this. So there's not really a 2v1 because their center back is there. It's a little bit more like a 3v2. And you would say it's overloaded, okay? So yeah. we have an advantage here. It's an here. advantage, right? We have an advantage here. But the problem is the moment you try to run against this, if Araujo takes off, where did he just go? Offside. He's offside, right? There is really no way you're starting here. There's nowhere to run to, right? And Lennon got the ball, and he's either going back towards his own goal, or maybe he's going to try to dribble at this guy. But Lennon's not really going to take on that guy and beat him. And even if he does, do you think that Lennon is going to go all the way by here himself? Nope. No, and so all these other teams are like, we love that. Araujo, maybe. Yeah, they're like, okay, give it to Lennon. We are worried about Araujo, but we're not worried about Lennon. So they're like, okay, we're going to stay here. We're going to give you this ball over to Lennon, and we're going to say, here's two problems. First of all, this doesn't worry us. We don't think that you're going to beat us. Right, because Araujo has no momentum to run by us. Lennon is here. And so what often happens is Lennon dribbles up here. This guy comes out and addresses him. And they end up sort of, you know, in this kind of a mode. And Lennon doesn't have anywhere to go. And so he recycles possession, right? This happens a lot, right? We go here. And we try... You know, now we're up the field here. Let's move everybody a little bit because they're back. Let's move everybody up the field a little bit. Okay, we're over here, right? And maybe this here. Anyway, so we try to maybe recycle the ball. Maybe we play Sedic in here. And let's say we try to get cute in here and we try to feed Almada the ball. Yeah, try so. to give it to our talent. Well, we, we've tried to, you know, we you you see it all the time. Though. We You're see this going back and forth, yeah. or sometimes we can't do that, you know, and Lennon takes the ball, he dribbles the ball back. Anyway, there's no dynamic here because everybody's in a line. There's nowhere to run to, right? And so, yeah, you might have an, a man advantage. I think even here but you kind to your of your point, don't. the margin of offside is razor thin. It's, it's razor thin. And here, really, where is the only place that you have the extra man advantage? It's up on the opposite side of the field, right? So Goodman and Almada technically have a man advantage. Maybe it's even 3v1. But that's not so dangerous because you got to play the ball all the way over here. And if you do, by the time you do that, the defense just shifts, right? Usually, you never play that right. ball. We try occasionally. Most of the time, we play it back in here, yeah. and then we play it over. But... In any case, we're up here. This is not really dangerous. They're like, we love for Lennon to have the ball. And Lennon is all the way up here. So the moment that we go here, we try to force this, okay? Let's say we force this and their center back intercepts, okay? Now, here's the bigger problem. Not only have we not made ourselves effectively offensively, right? But here's the much bigger problem. So supposedly... Pineda wants to press, okay? So the way you press is you say, all right, Yakamakis and Almada going to press the ball. Sadich going to press the ball. He's like, work hard. He got pissed a couple of times because um, Tiago Almada wasn't pressing or Barco wasn't pressing, right? Not hard enough, right? Araujo wasn't pressing. So he's like, okay, you got to immediately when you lose the ball, press. But you can't press right now. And why can't you press right now? Because... 
Josetu or Sadich, whoever it is, does number one have an option? Does he have an option? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has number two. He has two options, really, right? So he can play number two in this outlet, or maybe he steps up one and he plays number nine here. One pass beats all of this. And we always say this in the counterattack, you see this first ball that goes out wide against us. And it typically gets in behind Lennon or Gutman. So let's say he plays over here. Okay. Now, you know who's responsible for marking him? Lennon, but it's going to be Robinson. Lennon can't mark him. Yeah, he can't. So Robinson, if he comes out here, what does he open yeah. up? I mean, it's just a freak so and breakaway. You're, you're We've asking seen that either Josetu or Sedic to come over. We always ask the defensive midfielder, which is in this case Josetu or Sedic, to come over here. So let's say Sedic does a heroic job and gets over here. Usually it takes time, right? So he's not going to track him down until at least here. But let's say he even gets back and does it, right? So first of all, this happens to us all the time. Did we win the ball in the offensive third? No, because he's got an easy outlet. He's out here. So we're winning the ball maybe here. They've created a counter. How many times we've seen this? They have 3v2 in the middle, right? They play this ball in the middle, and it's a goal, right? We've seen it so many times. We've had possession for possession, 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 and and we've seen it. But even if that doesn't happen... Right. Even in that case that it doesn't happen, let's say, and we've seen this occasion a lot too because it happens. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's say Sadich makes a glorious tackle. Right. Usually it's Josetu. So maybe we'll switch it. Right. It was Josetu make the running make a better tackle. Right. <laughs> so Josetu makes that. He covers it behind and makes a tackle. So let's say he wins the tackle. Right. And he's here. Okay. Right. Here's the problem now. Right. Who is spo- Josetu supposed to be playing to? Well, no matter where he plays, he's playing to somebody who's marked up. You want your backs being able to play easy balls into the middle. So Josetu's supposed to be playing a ball to Josetu, right? Yeah. Josetu's <laughs> supposed to be in the middle, right? But Josetu is not over here. He's been dragged over here. Sedek has had to scramble back in here. And you see this all the time, right? These guys have had to scramble all the way here, right? They're all back here. Right, you see this. Maybe Almada's gotten back or whatever. But this is awesome for if you are the other posting team because now Josetu is trying to outlet the ball. He's getting a guy pressuring him, right? And where does he have to go with the ball? Maybe Lennon's come up here. The back has come up with them, right? And they're looking at this. Yeah, he's probably going to play it into Lennon or or Arujo's feet. So he tries to play someone's feet, and you see this all the time. So maybe Lennon's here. You see sometimes the ball here. And that's where it gets... Right? It gets stripped off in there. Araujo has to turn the guy. Or even if he yeah. doesn't, a lot of times what does Araujo... So you're putting Lennon and or Araujo in a very difficult... Yeah, Araujo sometimes does brilliantly. We're giving everybody the benefit of the doubt. So Araujo, let's say he does brilliantly. He dribbles backwards five yards. He maintains possession. And he somehow finds Almada here like this or whatever. But... This, and by the time he does that, you know, all of these guys recover, right? Mm-hmm. And suddenly... Reset City. Reset City, we're facing this again, right? So what's supposed to happen, Mikey Dobbs? Here's the, here's the fix. So if you're playing against Atlanta United, all you do is say, 
we're going to leave Lennon and Goodman outside. Now, Goodman is good enough. You know, who scored the most goals for Atlanta United last yeah. year? Goodman, right? He was yeah. like one or two, right? And that's because Goodman is actually, two. he's left alone all the time. And he's good enough sometimes to actually score, right? So Goodman sometimes, instead of running out here, he runs through here. And he occasionally makes it work as an overloaded player. Right, but Lennon doesn't do it. Lennon sometimes gets available, but then he just whips in across to nobody, right? And he's supposedly, according to Pineda, be the real goal creator in all of MLS, like the second leading goal creator. But as we've shown, even though he creates chances, they never score off those chances. He had two goals in 2022 and six assists. Yeah, which for a right back is square average. And those six assists are total BS because when we talked about, we showed, we went through every single goal. And yeah. when he gets assists, they're not off the crosses. Yeah. The occasional yeah, moments he that he's He had one inside. that was off a real yeah. cross. And then people said, hey, Dave, who is he crossing to? Who is going to finish it? Right. Uh, Joseph is, far, is not, I'm not going to cheerlead, but the guy can finish a cross. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to change this. And I'm going to show you what should be happening. The fix. Okay, so that's how yeah. you play against Atlanta United, right? You just literally let let those guys go, and they naturally they run right up to the outside back, so there's no confusion. They're easy to mark, right? And even if they do get free, they're not that dangerous because they're way out there, and they're not our best players. What we want on the ball is Almada, Araujo. What we end up is the guys on the ball with a lot of possession are Lennon and Goodman. Right? And no offense to Lennon and Goodman, they're good players. On the ball, you want Araujo and, and Almada. Yeah. Okay? So here's the thing. So here's the difference. Right? So let's go back. Let's yeah. move everybody back, back, back a little bit. Back up the defenders on the other team a little bit. Yeah. Get them in their home Let's home put Gutman back here. Let's put Lennon back. back here. Let's bring their 4-3. So we're resetting for those on the podcast. Coming out of the back for Atlanta United with a four in the back, we've got Gutman, Abram, Robinson, and Lennon, hypothetically, as our back four with Sosa, Josetu in the middle, Etienne out on the left, Araujo on the right, Almada floating in the center mid with Yakamakis, Papa Giorgio at the striker position. So that's more or less where we started before, right? And I said that Guzan rolls the ball out to Robinson. Right. Yep. So first of all, right. So if Lennon makes this starts to go out here, but instead of going all the way up here where he's easy to mark, if he would stop here. Okay. Now as Robinson comes out with the ball, there's a nice little curler right around. Right. He has an option. So this guy has two guys to mark. He's a two V one situation. Right. And so often we're able to either play this ball here or sometimes even play it out into space where he can get his head up and is running with the ball. Yeah. Ooh. Best case scenario Ooh. on the front foot. Dave. <laughs> When's the last time we've seen that? And if he has this, the cross that you're always talking about, the early ball through mm -hmm. the back, he might play that because the difference is in the opposite scenario, he's coming back to the ball like this, no, right? When no he does that, there's no cross. chance for the early cross. But if he's out here and we play a nice little ball in front of him, he's got his head up. In here, this is the but Dave, Dave, time out, ball. time out. Lennon is a fabulous player. He's a great attacking player. Why would he be playing back as a fullback 
right there or right back. Because he's still attacking Mikey Duck. I know, Dave. I'm I'm trying oh. to explain oh. this for people. <laughs> Because now it's a trick question. It's a trick question because now he's <laughs> getting it on the front foot, to your point. Yeah. He's not, yes, get up the field. Please get up the field, but get it with purpose going up on, okay. your, on your So tank. now, if he's here with the ball, now their left back has problems because he has a choice to make, right? See, he's got Araujo, he's got Lennon, right? So if he comes out, which he's probably going to do to address Lennon because he's coming forward. Right now, look what you see. Oh, please play it into space to Arujo. Oh, look at that space for Arujo. Now you have the two on one that Pineda wants to create, uh-huh. right? And that's fine. And okay. the two on one is not with Lennon, it's with Arujo. Right. So yeah. now here's the thing so out of the back, you have Robinson, Abram. And Goodman shift over. Staying at home. Okay, now notice Goodman is not here where he's useless and never gets the ball, right? He's back here. So now we have three in the back. Always three in the back. Three in the back, right? So let's say Lennon, you know, is here. Something screws up. So Lennon starts to dribble. He comes up here. They play. Something doesn't work out. Yeah, I'm going to say he's watching it. He's going to give away the ball. Actually, let's just say he plays Araujo into the corner. And we give up the ball because this guy comes over and wins the ball, which is a little deeper. Okay? So these guys are all here. Let's move up Etienne. Let's move up. Yakamakis is right playing off the front foot of this guy, right? So this is more. And let's move everybody back because everybody went foot. Got up the field. So first of all, you'll notice Atlanta United was able to get much more up the field. Right? That's a good thing. Yeah. So now now there's a chance even if they win it and they send it back forward, we're going to recycle it. Yeah. So here's the thing. That's called the press, dude. So as soon as Araujo turns over the ball here, number six wins it from Araujo. Oh, Araujo, you shouldn't have given up the ball there, but okay. Should have beaten him and scored. But let's say he doesn't, right? So now I think it should be Sosa, but even if it's Josetu and Sadich, right? So one of the things you notice, okay? Where does number six have to go with the ball? He has to play into somebody who's marked with a lot of pressure on their back. Yep. And even if, let's just say Sadich went nuts. I mean, they could try the long ball like way into the corner, which is has got plenty of people to track that and, and pin it down. Let's just say Sadich made an amazing run here. Maybe even let's just blow our whole thing and say Etienne was for it. Everybody was looking for this cross, right? Yeah. It's awesome, right? We're all the way here, right? So now there's there's an open guy here, right? You see yeah. that? There's an open guy there, but okay. It, can number six play that open guy? He could, but there's a chance he gets cut off oh, by his Oh, I love this. If you try to play this ball here, right? He plays it here. There is a chance a that Josetu wins the ball here, okay? If he wins the ball here, right, Almada, let's say, has made this early run. Sadich 
has reset a little bit because he's gotten back. The moment he wins it, one touch to Almada, and he is one-on-one with this guy going to goal. That's recycling the ball, and that's what we want. Yes, sir. Right? But the thing about it is when they turn the ball over, it has to be marked up. And when Lennon and Goodman are up forward, not only is there no offense because they've just made a wall and there's nowhere to go, and they've just crowded the spaces. He talks about mm-hmm. making opening up spaces for Arujo. They just crowd it. He talks about overloading the side. They don't really overload the side because nobody can run. There's no space to run into. And on top of all of that, right, because it doesn't work. We don't score goals. But on top of all of that, you cannot press when your outside backs have gone up the field because by definition, they have an outlet pass open every time, right? So you're useless in the press. If you want to be a press team, you have to have three in the back who haven't gone forward and a defensive midfielder Josetu, or I would think this should be Sosa, so let's do this. Right? Instead of Sosa having to to go chase down a guy like we just saw earlier in the thing, Sosa is now up here, and now, as I say, Sosa can go hunting. Yeah. So Sosa is hunting right now because the ball turned over here, right? This guy has the ball, but he's trying to outlet it somewhere. Yeah. He's trying to go to 5-2. And even if they have 2v1, yeah. I love the possibility of Sosa yeah. going Take that risk. Yeah. Take the yeah. risk on the hunt. Absolutely. Exactly. So that's the problem with the system. The system is designed to overload and get great chances. But other teams just say to us, we love for you to have Goodman and Lennon on the ball. That's not dangerous to us. They're all the way out wide. There's no momentum in the whole play. They don't really score against us, right? And thank God you're not giving the ball to Almada or Araujo because those are the guys who can actually kill us, right? And on top of it, we never, ever, ever recycle the ball here and get it to Almada or Yakamakis or Araujo in one touch, one-on-one situations where they can win. All right, Dave, get back over here. So that was awesome. That was was very good. And we're going to get better at this uh, tactical board thing and uh, give Dave more liberties here to do what he loves. But what do you think Etienne's role is going to be out there on the left side? We don't, again, we don't know. I, I have no idea whether this guy can play or not. Sounds like he can. What do you expect from him if he's going to be our left winger? Well, you know, the, the, the cra- and part of the reason why I would say that I was not expecting at the end to be a left winger is because Pineda, who's never shown any um, inventiveness in his system, he's very rigid in the system he plays. His system doesn't have wingers. His, his wingers are the outside backs, right? Yeah. His airplanes. Right. So why does anybody, honestly, even if Etienne was the greatest winger in the history of the world, why does anybody think Etienne is going to be a winger for Atlanta United? He doesn't play with wingers. Does Et- he plays with wingers, but there are outside backs. Based on what you know of Etienne, is he got better footwork than Wiley? Like as no, far as like taking people on? So. He's not as, far as, as like pacey. I don't think. Pacey or putting people on their back foot. To be, like, to be I, fair, I, I haven't seen a ton of him. To, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I have no, like I have zero knowledge of Etienne but does anybody think that he's not gonna suddenly have Goodman and um 
and uh, Lennon going forward that much. What that says to me is that Etienne is playing the same role that we've had recently with the Sadish or Almada, whatever. He's slightly inside. To your point, Gutman and Lennon are going to be way up the field. And he has already called them his airplanes. Yeah. Right? This year. This year. He's announced it to the other coaches. The airplanes will be up forward. The runway is open. (laughs) Which is the dead end to any early crosses. So why would you play with an airplane if you have a winger? Because the winger would be your airplane. So if Araujo and Etienne are the airplanes, right? That would mean that Gutman and Lennon, or I would think Hernandez, are playing behind them. And as we've just showed in that segment, the moment they stay at home at any level... Then the moment when our airplanes try to, you know, play it through Almada, we turn it over, we can press. Yeah. Again, with four people back all the time, it's okay to put one of the right backs or left backs up a little bit. But as long as you have Sosa and three in the back line there, we're good, right? So, yeah. For, for those of you who are coaches or for those of you who are players out there, who are coaches are coaching you, I see this all the time when coaches come to the, uh, the training ground. They say, look, you know, the latest, greatest thing in soccer is pressing. We're going to be a pressing team. And so what they do is they get together their forwards. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they start working on the press. Anytime a coach does that, that means they have no idea how to press. And that's because a press does not start with the forwards. Yes, the forwards are the ones who press and win the ball, but you cannot press. I'm going to say it a million times. You cannot press unless you have the outlet taken care of. So to be a great pressing team, you have to have defensive midfielders or midfielders who, once you lose the ball and it turns over, are in a position to take away the easy balls. I know this from experience, from poaching up front in my latter days of soccer and me freaking out when people that actually are responsible for the press, like I can dictate it, but if people behind me aren't doing the press, (sighs) there is no press. And God bless, you've played forward zone, so you know if you're chasing a guy, right, and right before you get to the defender to press him, you're going to challenge it. He plays a 30-yard ball to an outlet. It so is the most deflating. depressing oh, thing that ever. That is so worst. <laughs> and look, if there's a guy that is, it, he gives a, a, gives a go at it, I'm okay. I don't get frustrated. You know what I mean? Like, if you kind of got there and, and at least we're, like, in the space, right? Because it is really hard. I mean, it's, it is a hard thing to be, like, right on them. But at least be in the zone. You know what I mean? Like, don't make it easy for them. That's all the press really is to some degree. You can't just make it that easy to where it's so deflating when they just pass it. It's off to the races. And you, Are you kidding saw me? last year Pineda yelling at people for not pressing. And he benched, he benched Martinez, I think. for That was the moment that really got him was not just the Eros Campoyo, but before that, right? He benched him because he was impressing. Because you get frustrated. You stop mm-hmm. pressing because you're like, I am char- yeah. tired of wasting my energy running 20 yards to yeah. chase this guy when he's got an easy outlet. Yeah. It's like you're... Like, stop it. It's like your vineyard buddy, Enrique. I'm like, why would I Why would I continue to do this run if nobody's going to follow my lead? Right. <laughs> like, you're right. Of course, Enrique, you're right. 
I'm not going to do that if nobody's going to follow suit. Okay. It's all like one big swarm. It's the swarm. That's oppressed the same way bees, they all know how to. And once you have that first pass taken away, then if you have guys willing to put in the effort, then they win the ball. And when they win the ball there and they can recycle it to Araujo, Armada, or even Yakamakas one-on-one, we're hoping that they can win those battles. And and that is what happened under Tata. The number of times we scored goals with Al Marone taking the ball off somebody's foot and one pass to Martinez, and he got a one-on-one or a shot right off of that, you saw it all the time. So, Dave, we have talked about it all. We have done an intro for the 2023 YouTube and podcast. New intro, it's people. Gonna, it's going to be awesome. Oh. Did you like it? I think I feel Did really they good like about- it? They heard it, right? That's the beginning of this podcast. No, they heard no, it. No, they didn't. Oh, is it going to happen? Why not? I don't know. It's up it's to It's a new season. It's up to Let's Simon. Do it. It's up to Simon. <laughs> I'll send him the file. Dave. Has offspring that are helping right, maybe. us. Maybe we're gonna go with maybe. You might have to wait till next. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Putting him under a lot of pressure. I know. I know. Might be up to me on okay. whether on this one, but right. I'll do my best. All right. Okay. Fair. So thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you very much. And now you know how to beat Atlanta United. Which sorry, don't look at this. Other coaches, do not <laughs> look at this. Seriously, I'm not even kidding. All right. Have a good night. Bye, guys.